some of you are like, oh no, why that one today, right? <laughs> Good morning, everyone. We're continuing a series, as you just saw. It's called, That's a Great Question. Every week we're, we're taking a cultural issue or a biblical concept and addressing it from a biblical perspective. We're answering a question about that so that if you're a Christian, uh, you, you feel empowered to step into a conversation with someone in your relational world to talk about what you believe and why you believe. And no matter where you are in your, in your spiritual journey, we, we just pray these messages would bring you one step closer to a relationship with God. The question we're answering today is, what's the problem with profanity? What's the problem with profanity? Let's pray. Lord, this is a, an important topic for us as your children. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand this perspective, uh, this topic from your perspective this morning, uh, that you would guide us and lead us. Help us to understand the power of our words and why you place so much emphasis on speaking the right stuff. And so, Lord, guide us and lead us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I want to start this morning by asking you to, to ask the person next to you. Just ask the person next to you if they've ever said a bad word. Go ahead and ask them if they've ever said a bad word. Okay, by, by the laughter, I, I think I have my answer, but raise your hand if the person that you asked that question to said yes. I ha just raise your hand. They, they said yes. I've, okay, we're all in good company this morning. Now I want you to turn to that same person and, and ask them, what was the bad word that you used? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Hey, so, so we've all... <laughs> no, I just saw a parent put, put their hands over their kid's ears right there. Um. We've all said bad words. I, I say that. I'm, I'm assuming we've all said bad words at one time or another. And if you're a parent, you've had the joyful experience of having a child blurt out an obscene word for male or female genitalia at some point and em embarrass you. And then you had to say, okay, we, we don't say that, right? And then you maybe corrected them and say, this is, this is what we say. Well, why did you do that? What's wrong with profanity? What's wrong with using language like that. Now, parents, let me say this. For any moral issue, it's not enough to say, I said so. Don't do it because I said so. It's not enough to say, because. As parents, we're responsible to teach our children the moral reason why things are right or wrong. And so take notes today, parents. I, I want to share with you the moral reason why I believe there's a problem with profanity. Okay, so, so you can teach your kids, hey, this is, this is God's perspective on this. Not, it's not what I think. It's not my opinion. This is what God says about this particular topic. Um, profanity is just a, another example of the difference between the Bible and what culture says, between what the Bible teaches and what we see in our culture. Uh, Michael Adams is a linguist. Uh, Michael Adams wrote a book, in praise of profanity, in praise of profanity. In that book, he talks about the benefits, the personal and social benefits of using profanity. Now, if you are a college student and you attend a secular university, there's a chance that that university offers a class on profanity. And if they do, they're probably going to teach you that there are appropriate uses for profanity, that there are ways that you can use that. Benjamin Bergen is a professor at the University of California, San Diego. He's a language scientist, and he wrote a book called What the F, 
That's the name of his book. And in his book, he says that there are useful and appropriate ways to use profanity. Here's what he says in his book. Profane words uniquely allow you to express pain or cause it in others. They peerlessly demonstrate frustration, anger, or emphasis. Name a feeling, and profanity can elicit it. Profanity can increase sexual arousal. It can increase your ability to withstand pain. When deployed appropriately, profanity can cause delight. Countless comedians stake their professional lives on the impact of, quote, working blue. Working blue means that their, their comedy routine is filled with profanity. And they're trusting that, that when, when they have a dirty act or routine that you're going to laugh, that you're going to enjoy that. In other words, it's, it's appealing. And people pay a lot of money to go hear comedians that have very filthy mouths. Uh, Emma Byrne wrote a book called um, uh, Swearing is Good for You. Swearing is good for you. Here's what she says in her book. She says the use of profanity can help us withstand pain, diffuse stress, bond with our colleagues, and even help us to learn new languages. It's possible. <laughs> it is a language. I mean, come on. That's, that's so funny. Um, it's possibly one of the oldest forms of language we have, given how readily other primates have invented swearing on their own. And it turns out it's expletive useful. We're often told swearing isn't big or clever, that it's the sign of a stunted vocabulary or limited intellect. But I can assure you that swearing is socially and emotionally essential. Not only that, swearing has taught us about our psychology and our societies. So my question is, these are, these are secular, secular language scientists or linguists that are saying that there's, a, there's an appropriate use, a useful or helpful way that we can use profanity. My question is, does God agree with that? Is that God's perspective? Does God say that when, you know, there, there, there are times when this is really helpful, when this is really appropriate for us to use in our lives. And that's kind of where I, where I want to go this morning as we, as we think about that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to define profanity in just a second. But before I do, you ever thought about why do we use profanity? Why do we say bad words? Well, there's a number of reasons. One is to fit in or be accepted in a group. That could be kids at school. That could be people at work. That could be guys on our team, ladies on our team. And the feeling is if they use profanity and we don't, that we're not going to fit in. That there's not going to be a feeling in which, in which we belong. We, we use profanity to be cool. We use profanity to be funny. We use profanity to, to act tough. Uh, we, we use profanity um, to... Uh, it, express anger, frustration, and pain. We, we use frustration to intentionally insult people for what they believe about politics or religion or what their social or moral views are. Uh, we, we use profanity because our culture has normalized it. The, the proliferation of profanity in television and movies has desensitized us to profanity. So, so even as followers of Christ, we begin to believe that this is normal, this is acceptable, this is just part of the language of our culture. And again, my question is, is that God's perspective? 
Is profanity supposed to be normal for the believer, for the follower of Christ? And so I just want to take a few minutes and I want to, I want to share four reasons that I think profanity is a problem. And again, parents, think about this, take notes so that as you teach your children about profanity, you can share with them the moral reason why. So what's the problem with profanity? First of all, profanity defiles the sacred. Profanity defiles what's sacred. The word profanity comes from a Latin, the Latin word profanus. Pro means before or separate from or outside of. And phanum means a, a temple or a sanctuary. Profanity literally means to, to take something, to remove something or take something out of a holy place. In other words, profanity profanes what is sacred. It, it makes what is holy unholy. It, it makes what is good evil. And it does that by using words and names to describe it in unholy ways. So you are, you are taking something that's holy out of its holy context and then giving it an unholy name or unholy words to describe it. And, and there's really four areas that we do that in, four areas that we take what, what, is, what God says is holy and we take it out of its holy context and then we apply unholy or profane words to that. The first is with God himself. God is holy. God is sacred. And God's name is sacred. Throughout the Bible, God says, my name is holy. And so if we take God's name and we take it out of its holy context, you know, the, the, the Jewish scribes, the ones that copied the books of the Old Testament, when they, anytime they came to the name of God that they had to write, they had to copy it. It's called the Tetragrammaton. They would write that, then they would change their clothes, they would go through a ceremonial washing, and they would change the pen that they're using. Why? To reverence the name of God. The name of God was so holy that they had to go through this cleansing ritual every time a human hand wrote the name of God. That's, that's reverencing the holiness of God's name. So if we take God's name and we speak it out of anger or frustration or hate or pain, we are, we are misusing God's name. Here's what Exodus 27 says. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Some of you remember the King James Version. Don't, don't take the Lord's name, what? In vain, right? Don't misuse it. Don't empty it of its honor. Don't empty it of its glory. So if you in anger say, God, or damn, or Jesus, or Jesus Christ, or Christ, you just took what was holy and you used it in an unholy way way. You've profaned or dishonored the name of God by doing that. So God is sacred. The human body is sacred. When God created the human body on the sixth day of creation, it says that he created man and, and, and woman. And then it says God said over all of the things he created that day, it's very good. He didn't say it was evil. He didn't say the human body was evil. He said it's, it's sacred. It's sacred because God created it. God created every part of our body, and it's good. 
And it's for a good purpose. So when we take words or names and apply them to the human body that are profane or unholy, we've just taken what is sacred and removed it from its sacred context, its holy context, and applied unholy or profane words to describe either the parts of the body or the functions of the body. The body is sacred. Sex is sacred. Sex is a sacred gift that God gave to humanity to be used in a specific, holy, sacred context. That context is the context of marriage between a man and a woman. When you take sex out of that holy context, out of that sacred temple or sanctuary, and you use it anywhere else, you've profaned it, you've defiled it, and you've dishonored God by doing that. Or if you take sex and you apply it, uh, you apply to it unholy words, vulgar words, profane words for the act of sex. Uh, You've just dishonored God because God says that's holy. Hebrews chapter 13 says, honor the marriage bed. Honor the, the sexual relationship between a husband and a wife. Keep it pure. It deserves honor. God says it's sacred. When you use words that are unholy to describe that sacred act, you've just dishonored God. The other thing that's holy is people. People are sacred. People are sacred to God. Why? Because the Bible says God created every person in his image and in his likeness. So people are sacred to God. That's why in the church we talk about the sanctity or the sacredness of human life. That's why in the the church we discourage abortion because we believe that that life is sacred, life is holy. The human life is, is important. It's important to God, right? So the, the people are, are, are sacred and, and holy. They're created in the very image and likeness of God. So when we... When we use profanity or slurs to dishonor people, to take what God said, people are, ho- are holy and sacred, to take them and then to, to use epithets or, or profane or vulgar words to talk about you know, their religious beliefs or, or uh, their, their physical appearance or their disabilities or, or anything about people, their, their race, their gender. When we slander them with our words, we just dishonored God because God says humanity is sacred because he created them in his image and likeness. And now we're using words that are taking what's holy and making it unholy. So the very, very first reason, moral reason why is because it defiles what God says is holy. The second reason profanity is a problem is because it contradicts God's purpose. It contradicts God's purpose. To to be a follower of Jesus is a calling to a radical lifestyle. It's a calling to a lifestyle that's totally different from the world. A lifestyle that that says, I don't have to belong to the world. I don't have to fit in with the world. I I don't have to become part of the world. I, I I am in relationship with God. I'm following Jesus. And Jesus is going in the opposite direction of our culture. I watch the news and I see all of these protests, whether they're Palestinian protests or public protests over moral issues or whatever, and it just seems like people want to be radical. They want to be part of some radical protest. And they interview these people. They don't even know why they're out there protesting. They just want to be part of something radical. Let me tell you, do you want to be part of something radical? Follow Jesus Christ. 
because he's going to lead you in the most radical direction you could ever go away from where our culture is going. And God has radical purpose for the words that we speak. God is very clear about if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, what your words need to look like. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, don't use foul or abusive language. The, the word foul there is, is a word in the Greek. It means like rotten fruit. Fruit that's not only rotting itself, but if you put a rotting piece of fruit in a, in a, a basket with good fruit, it will, it will cause the other fruit to rot. So, so no foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Now, now look at that. Paul distinguishes between foul and abusive language and useful and helpful language. Do you remember what the, the language, the secular language scientists are doing? They're bringing that together. They're, they're saying, uh, you know, profanity, foul language can be useful and helpful. Paul, and Paul says, no, that is not helpful. You need to use words, he goes on, words that will be an encouragement to those who hear them. He goes on in chapter 5. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, which is probably a reference to our words, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among who? Us. That type of language has no place among the people of God because we've been changed by the power of Christ. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. He's writing to the church. This is not the language that God purposes for you. This is not how God wants you to talk. Instead, use your words to be thankful to God and honor him. Colossians chapter 3 says this. But now is the time. What's the time? Having made a decision to follow Jesus. Now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other because you have, when you came to Christ, you took off, stripped off your old sinful nature, your, your old dirty garments, you took those off with its wicked deeds. And you have, you have put on the new nature. So be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So we are to become more and more like God, more and more like Christ in what we say. Our words should reflect the language of Christ. And see, all of this is because we've been changed. So Paul says, when you came to Jesus, you, you took off the old nature and you put on Christ and you were changed from the inside out. Now, I became a Christian in middle school, seventh grade. I went to a Nazarene youth camp. I heard the speaker speak. I was convicted that, that I sinned against God. I don't even remember what the message was, but he gave an altar call at the end. And man, I bolted to the altar. I knew I was a sinner. I went down there and one of the, the college um, uh, counselors prayed with me and I'll, I'll never forget the language that he used. He said, he, he said, repeat this after me and we were praying for forgiveness. And then he said this, he said, pray, Jesus, I want you to be the master of my life. And I prayed that. I, I said, I, I want to make you the, the leader of my life. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I don't want to lead my life anymore. And I surrendered my heart fully to him. And I remember at that altar, the feeling, the experience of, of the washing of my sin completely clean. And I remember the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I remember Christ came to live inside of me. It was, I was totally changed, totally different. And later in, in high school, I would fall away from the Lord and, and then really come back to him in college. But, but during the first couple of years, I, I remember being completely radically changed and different. Okay, so when I was in middle school, when I got saved, I had a potty mouth. I had a horrible mouth. And I liked to golf. So I would go out golfing and, 
Let me just say this. If you have a problem with profanity, don't golf. Yeah, don't golf. Like, <laughs> profanity and golf go together. They're like brother and sister, okay? So if you're struggling with it, just think, possibly, maybe not go on golf. So I, I, I'd hit a, I'd shank a drive, and, and expletives would just flow out of my mouth because I'd be so frustrated, right? Got saved. I remember the next time I went out golfing with my friends, hit a horrible shot, and, and, and this feeling was, that's not who I am. I, I, I'm not that anymore. I'm changed. I'm different. And I remember the, the specific thought. I, I remember thinking, I can't control the thoughts that come into my mind, but I can control every word that comes out of my mouth. So I was thinking bad words, but I remember I, I have the Holy Spirit to give me self-control. I don't have to say that. Whereas before, they just came pouring out. Now it was like I thought about it. It's like, wait, 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 wait. That's not me. I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. And I just knew. No one needed to tell me, you, you aren't supposed to say bad words. I just knew because Christ was in me. That wasn't the language that God purposed for my life. So profanity contradicts the purpose of God for our language. We just, just read what God wants us to, to talk about and what God wants our language to be like. So ask yourself the question, is it helpful? Is it encouraging? Is it edifying? Does it build people up? Or is it foul and nasty and ugly and hurtful to people? The third thing is uh, profanity uh, reveals our heart. Profanity reveals our heart. Here's what Jesus said, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A, a good person, one that loves God, follows God, produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person, in this context, it's someone that, that isn't following God, uh, produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is where? In your heart. He goes on, Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, and he says this, you offspring of vipers, how, how can you, being evil, express or say any good things? For the mouth speaks from that which, what? Fills the heart. So my question is this, the people in your relational world, what do they learn about you when you open your mouth? When you speak, what do people see? What kind of heart? Do they see? Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's the key here? A changed heart. Now, God already began the work of changing our heart, but we have to, we have to continue by putting things in our heart that are going to bring change, like God's word. So, so David, in, in, now, there, there are certain vocations and occupations and contexts, I think, in our world where where profanity just seems to have more of a, of, a, of a stronghold. The military is one of those. I've noticed, like with people that I know, law enforcement can be a similar way. There are other, where people are under incredible duress and stress and pressure, sometimes those things, and an and ungodly environment where those, those things can be a little more, you know, common. David was a military guy, and I think David may have had a problem. I think David might have had a problem with language. I'm sure his soldiers may have had problems with language as they, as they dealt with anger and bitterness toward the enemy or their friends being killed or whatever it was. I, I, think, I think those things have an effect on people in the military. David in Psalm 119 verse 9 says this, Lord, how can a young man or a young person keep their way pure? How can a young person be holy? And then he answers the question. 
by guarding it according to your word. So God's word has something to do with that. Then verse 11, two verses later, he says, I have, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I've, I've put your word into my heart so that what comes out is good, not unholy. So, so there's two things that I found. When, when I begin my day, and I've walked with the Lord for 40 plus years, if I begin my day with time in scripture, reading the Bible, filling my heart with God's word and praying, I respond to life differently that day. If I filled my heart with good things. You know what David also said in Psalm 141 verse 3? David said, Lord, he prayed, Lord, put a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. David knew he needed help. David knew that he couldn't do it on his own. David knew that he needed the strength of God. I need your help. So help me to have a filter. Help me to not let those words come out of my mouth. Those words may come into my mind. I may get angry. I may get ticked off. I, I may think bad words, but Lord, filter it. H help me not to release those unhelpful, profane, hurtful words in my life. And I've just found that whenever I, I get up in the morning and I spend time reading scripture, hiding God's word in my heart, uh, that I might not sin against God and praying and asking for God's help. Every time I get into a situation that day when I'm frustrated or angry and I start thinking that, there's just a sense of peace. I, I don't know how to explain it, but, I, but I, I'm reminded of the Lord's presence. I'm, I'm, I sense the Lord's help and the Lord's strength. And I'm reminded that there is no temptation that overtakes man except that which God gives a way out of. And I always, I, I recognize it's a way out. I don't, I don't have to do that. I don't have to say that. I don't have to be like that. I have a choice and the Holy Spirit strengthens me and empowers me to do that. And, and the last thing, the last problem with profanity is it confuses the world. Profanity confuses the world. Now, people that are not Christians expect people who are Christians to live differently. Or people that say they're religious. Uh, you know, I go to the temple, I, I, I worship and whatever. If you, if you are identified as a religious person or, or a Christian, our culture has an expectation for you. It's interesting to me. They know how you're supposed to act more than you know how you're supposed to act. They know what we're not supposed to do more than we know what we're not supposed to. And they, and they can be very judgy, can't they? Judgy about our lives. I, I'm, not, I'm just saying they know what's right. So th they know that profanity is probably not appropriate for a Christian. Why don't we know that? Our, our ungodly culture recognizes that if you're a follower of Christ, something should be different. Your, your language should be different. The way you treat people should be different. So, so James says this in James chapter 1, verse 26. He says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious or spiritual but does not bridle his tongue, controls what he says, but deceives his own heart. That means your heart says you should be doing this and then you speak in a way that's, that's opposite of that, like you're, you're deceiving your heart. Your heart says do one thing and you do another. If you think yourself to be spiritual or religious, but you don't bridle your tongue, but deceive your heart, that person's religion is worthless. Call yourself what you wanna call yourself. If you're, not, if you're not guarding your tongue, if you're not restricting what you say, if, if you're not bridling your words, you've got no witness in the world. See, because the message of Christianity 
is that Jesus Christ can save you. Jesus Christ can save you and change you and deliver you. Jesus Christ can give you a different life. Jesus Christ can, can make you a different person. That's the message of the gospel. So the world listens to us preach that. The world listens to us say, God can change you. And then they don't see a change in us and they scratch their head and they go, wait, what? I thought this was a, a good, good news about a different life that I could live. I don't, I don't see you living a different life. You talk like everybody in the world. You, you act like everybody in the world. What, what's the deal? James goes on in chapter 3, verses 9 to 12, and he says, Sometimes it, meaning our tongue, our words, sometimes we, we praise our Lord and our Father, God, but sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is what? This is not right. Wait, wait, wait. You're changed. You're different. The world even knows that. The world knows that if you're a Christian, it's not right for you on the one hand to say, God this, God that, oh, hallelujah, praise God, and out of the other side of your mouth be using profanity. He goes on. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are a follower of Christ, he has a specific purpose for your words, and it's not profanity. So we sin and we need grace. So this is not the message from the preacher of, if you say bad words, you're going to hell. This is, we need to do better, amen? We have a high calling and, and the grace of God is such that when we stumble and when we fall in any area of life, his grace forgives and his grace lifts us up. Isn't that wonderful? That, 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 we, that we don't have to be perfect to be saved. And if we sin, there's forgiveness and there's grace. But grace is never an excuse to sin. God's grace and forgiveness is never a reason to use profanity. Because he will forgive you, that doesn't give you license to say whatever you want to say. He's, grace lifts you to a higher level. Grace empowers you to be a person that you can't be on your own without God. And God has a purpose for our lives. And let me, let me close this morning by giving you some suggestions. First of all, don't justify using profanity by saying, I just do it a little bit, not much. Just, just once in a while, just, just a little. You know what that's like saying? That's like saying to your kids, hey, hey we're gonna have spaghetti tonight. And instead of using hamburger, I'm gonna use a little bit of cat poop, but, but just a little bit. And your kids will be like, oh, cool. As long as it's just a little bit, I'm, I'm good with that. Your kids are like, what? what? I don't want any cat poop in my spaghetti. So why do we justify just, just a little bit, just a little bit of bad language? Don't justify it. Call it what it is. I sinned. And I need your grace and I need your forgiveness. I'm, I'm going to try not to do that again. Another suggestion is don't tell non-Christians that their profanity offends you because Jesus didn't do that. A lot of us think it's about us. 
And when we're in relationship with people that don't know the Lord and they use profanity, we say, you know what? Can you not, that offends me. You know what Jesus said? He said, it's not those who are healthy who need a physician or a doctor, it's those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, I came to call sinners. I, call, I came to call those that are morally sick. If you tell people that, hey, could you not use that language when, you, when you're around me because it offends me? Do you know what that's like? That's like you going into the doctor and the doctor saying, could you not come in here when you have hemorrhoids? Because it's really gross and it really offends me when I have to examine people with hemorrhoids. You'd be like, what? Or, or don't, you know, if you've got a real a big pussy thing on your arm, don't come in. That's gross. It, it, it bothers me. No, doctors are there to deal with physically sick people. And Christians are there to deal with morally sick people. Get over yourself and love people right where they are. That's what Jesus did. Don't, don't tell them, you know, you, 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 how, how can we tell someone you need to act like a Christian when they're not a Christian? How can we say you need, to, you need to act like you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit when you're not filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? Before I got saved, if someone would have said, you need to just stop cussing, why? How? I had no desire to stop that until Jesus Christ came into my life. Then I had every desire to stop cussing. So get that person saved, pray for them, share God's truth. When they get saved, the language will stop because of Christ. Accept people without becoming like them. You don't have to be accepted by them. Accept them wherever they are in life and you become the leader of that group. You continue to live a pure life and a holy life and abstain from bad language. Be the example. The best compliment you can get instead of saying that offends me to somebody is when somebody lets out a big rip of expletives and then they turn to you and say, oh, sorry, Jeff, I know you're a Christian. When they recognize that that probably does bother you, but you've never said anything about it. Just your presence, just your testimony, just your lifestyle convicts them that I probably shouldn't be doing that. I'm sorry that I'm doing that in your presence. That's all you need. Find acceptance with God not people. There's grace when we fail, but grace never gives us reason to sin. Some of you need prayer today, not, not just for this issue, but maybe something else. We're, we're going to have folks up here that will, that will pray with you. So don't leave this morning if you need prayer without coming up. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord, as we close this morning, we are thankful for grace we're thankful for the forgiveness of sin, but we recognize the radical call to follow Christ, to be more like him. Help us this week, each of us, as we go through our day to remember that we are called to be different, speak differently, act differently. Give us the grace that we need to live in a very dark and, and profane world without becoming profane ourselves. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.